Hey, good morning. If you could find your seats, that'd be awesome. Um, I don't know if you guys heard or not. Those of you who are here, of course, people at home can do what they want, but um, you guys get to sing today without breaking the rules. So last week I was in the back and I was singing and I was breaking the rules. But you know what? Um, Daniel broke the rules. So um, sometimes I feel free to do that when it's worshiping God. So um, we're just going to do one song at the beginning. Uh, we're going to march into church with some worship, uh, ready for what God has in store for us today. We are um, in expectation of great things. And I just want to encourage, if you want to, to stand up. And we will have a couple more songs of worship at the end of service as well. So don't leave early. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph. Oh my God will never fail. Oh my God will never fail. I'm gonna sing your victory. I'm gonna sing your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to sing your victory. I'm going to sing your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Oh, Lord. Let's do verse one again. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. Do you believe it? When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. Oh, my God will never fail. Oh, my God will never fail. I'm going to sing your victory. I'm going to sing your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to sing your victory. I'm going to sing your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to sing your victory. I'm going to sing your victory. 
For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see your victory. I'm gonna see your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Every war he wages, he will win. I'm not backing down from any giant. I know how this story ends. I know how this story ends. I'm going to see your victory. I'm going to see your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see your victory. I'm going to see your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see your victory. I'm going to see your victory. The battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see your victory. I'm gonna see your victory. For the battle belongs to you, You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good, and you turn it for good. Amen. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good, and you turn it for good. Yes, Lord. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good, and you turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good, and you turn it for good. And I'm going to see your victory. I'm going to see your victory, for the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see your victory, I'm going to see your victory, for the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see your victory, I'm going to see your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see your victory. I'm going to see your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Oh. I just see us marching around that wall, marching around that wall. The 
that's dividing us from the promised land, the place that God wants us to be. And as we march around that wall and worship, right? God calls us to march around and worship. Worship. Lead with worship as we go into the battle for what God calls us to do. What calls us in, what he calls us into. Do the chorus again. I'm gonna see your victory. I'm gonna see your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see your victory. I'm gonna see your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see your victory. We're gonna see your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. We're gonna see your victory. We're gonna see your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Oh, for the battle belongs to you, Lord. For the Lord, I ask that you would help us to set aside any battles that we've been waging on our own that are not your battles. Lord, I ask that you would help us to trust you and seek your face and your leading. That you'd show us how to worship you in the storm. You would show us how to be grateful and thankful in the difficult times as much as in the good times. Lord, that we would trust that you are bigger than. Father, I just ask that you prepare our hearts for the word, for your word. Lord, I ask that you would sift through whatever is spoken today. Just plant those golden nuggets in our hearts, in our minds. Let us walk in your love, the identity that you gave us. We just pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you, Chad and Shauna. That was very good. Good morning, everyone. So I'm going to log into this while I'm doing that. Um, sorry, it needs my face. It's funny how, like, ah, it still didn't work. The biometrics don't work so well with um, masks for some reason. I don't know why that is. Oh, it's not liking that either. Sweet. We've kind of had a whole series of technical issues this morning. So that's kind of awesome. So I'm just really glad to show up.
up because everything's going wrong. And and he says that, that like you know when everything is going wrong in the world around you that I am that I am with you. And uh, that when we're weak, he's strong. Our tech game this man is weak. Like, like the last game with the Seahawks, the Rams weak. That that level, that level of weak. We just made Shauna's whole day. Expect the next set of worship to be even bigger. Um, <laughs> What, did I, what am I doing? Oh, um, okay. Okay, I believe. Sorry. Secret code. Don't look. Make sure to burn that when you're done. So no one is. Speaking of things burning, <laughs> had a funny thing happen with our church's dumpster this week. We, like, you know how people joke, 2020, it's a dumpster fire? We had an actual dumpster fire. Like a literal dumpster fire. If you go look at the top of it, it's like all this, like, melted mass. And, like, the back end of it, you can see where the paint actually, like, burned off. It was a literal dumpster fire. <laughs> but now we can say that word. It's not figurative. <laughs> it's an actual thing. Um, so anyway, <laughs> that, um, <laughs> uh, on a good note, on an amazing note, this week, for the first time since we've been here, and probably in about 50 years, we're going to have car installed in the sanctuary to replace our carpet that is literally, I think, the same age, dusty. So it is old, very old. Um, and so that's kind of an exciting thing. It's going to be like um, traffic, like hopefully last another 50 years like this one did. Um, kind of an exciting thing. It's something that we've literally been talking about, I don't know, Dave, for 15 years or longer probably. And uh, finally just said, you know what? It's, it's time. We don't have a whole lot of going on here right now. We don't have a, lot, a whole lot of people in and out, so it's a good time to make this happen. So we're doing that. So that's exciting. Also for the my young people, my, my young friends, if you guys do a really good job on your packets this morning, you get an iconic 1980s slap bracelet. And I want, I hopefully want everyone to notice my skill. I can do a slap bracelet. This is not my first slap bracelet. I have had these before and worn these before. Um, Ronnie, woo, thank you. I'm greatly appreciative of my friend Ryan. He's helping me on the technology side of things. And we're gonna hopefully see if this works. It's still loading. It's still loading. Like I said, we've been having some tech stuff going on this morning, and that's okay. Um, I'm going to give you a basic rundown of what I'm going to talk about this morning, while that's hopefully loading up somehow. Um, this morning, I'm going to be talking about God bringing together 
people from very different backgrounds, from very different um, ways of living, from very different life experiences. Um, they may have different beliefs and ideologies. Um, and, but Jesus, under Jesus, he could bring those people together. I'm going to be starting off my teaching talking about Simon the Zealot and Matthew the Collector. And I'm going to pull it up on, luckily I brought my little tablet here. And I'm going to just pull it up and kind of get going on it on my side. And then hopefully the one up there will come us here in a moment. So I'm going to be starting off with a quote by a saint. His name is Saint Basil the Great. And Ryan, I'm clicking it, but it's not advancing forward. That's okay. You tell me when you're good. So Saint Basil said this. He said, this is how you pray continually, not by words, but by joining yourself to God through your whole way of life so that your life becomes one continuous and uninterrupted prayer. I love that thought that like my, my every time I take breath, as I walk through life, my whole life is a communication and a prayer to God. If you guys have ever read the little book by Brother Lawrence, Brother Lawrence talks about being in constant constant communion with God, in constant communication with God, whether I'm driving my car, whether I'm working on my computer at work, whether I'm feeding my family, whatever it is, maybe I'm picking up my dog's poo, which has been accumulating over the winter. Like whatever I'm doing, I can communication and communion with God as I'm doing that. Whole life becomes a prayer. Sweet. Thank you, Ryan. Ryan is amazing and wonderful and much more handsome than I am. So as I mentioned this morning, I'm going to be talking about Matthew the tax collector and Simon the zealot. Let's talk first a little bit about Matthew. Matthew had betrayed his family, his Jewish identity, and his culture to work as a tax collector for the Romans who had conquered the Jewish people. This corrupt, overbearing government that all Jews hated. Like they did not enjoy, as any of you might maybe not enjoy. Let's say that the scenario behind the movie Red Dawn happened. Any of my fellow 80s peeps, you know, might know the movie Red Dawn, where the Soviet Union <laughs> invaded the United States, took it over, and we had to fight an insurrection against the, the Red Menace. That is the Soviet Union. It's the basic premise behind Red Dawn. And there's all these young people. The Jews, that's how they felt. Rome came in and completely oppressed them, completely took them over. And not only that, they were in the process of completely stripping away their identity as Jews. And Matthew, might have heard of him, wrote one of the Gospels. Matthew was working for them as a tax collector. He was collecting money from his fellow Jews to give to Rome. Think about that. How do you think the other Jews viewed him? Matthew the disciple. 
Matthew who wrote the Gospel of Matthew. His old friends, the people he grew up with, his community now viewed him like one of the thieves and murderers that Rome was. They wouldn't even go to synagogue with him. They shunned him. He was unclean. He was immoral. He was wrong. Then there's Simon the Zealot on the whole other side. Simon was part of an anti-government movement. This militant group was fighting back. They were fighting an insurrection against Rome to create a Jewish state. They wanted to wage war against Rome and return to the glory days when their Jewish culture and religion was predominant. When Jew wasn't under the thumb of Rome. And that's who Simon the Zealot was. He's like, this is not who we are. This is not the kind of people we are. This isn't who we as a Jewish people. We have God on our side. We need to overthrow Rome. We need to destroy these people. These two men had very little in common. They should have been enemies, right? But they decided to lay aside their past and their politics and work together for the common good. It is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The story might seem a little bit naive today, right? Like, can you imagine it? Okay, I'm going to have a Black Lives Matter protester and a MAGA protester, and I'm Jesus, and you guys are now going to work together. And you're going to like it, because it'd be similar, right, in today's context. In today's divisive world, everything's just, you know, it's divided up in camps of red and blue, black and white. Like, we can't imagine even, like, a scenario in which two people who are this different might find a way to work together. Simon the Zealot and Matthew the Tax Collector. But Jesus did this. Jesus did this. And it says, he called to him his 12 disciples. And he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every disease and affliction. The names of the 12 apostles were these first. Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee. John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Oh, look, this was written Matthew, the tax collector. He sent them out together, a team, to bring God's kingdom to bear. Matthew, the tax collector, working right alongside Simon the zealot. Can we learn scripture? Can we learn from the way Jesus operated? Jesus didn't care about all of our divisions. Jesus stood above that. Jesus is beyond that. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord of Matthew the tax collector, and Jesus is Lord of Simon the zealot. And he gave them marching orders to work together to bring the kingdom. 
Can we not do the same? Can we not find it within ourselves to submit ourselves to Jesus, who we call Lord, and say, God, what is it that you would have us do? See, in Jesus, we have a commonality. There is more for those of us who are brothers and sisters in Christ. There is way more that binds us together than separates us. Jesus has to be more important than the things of this world. It has to be Jesus first. Jesus has to be preeminent. Jesus has to be king. Jesus has to be Lord. We have to view Jesus as our God. And if God's telling you to do something, you just do it. I remember Cormac when he was little. He's always been a pretty good kid. I'm going to brag on him for a minute. And like, if, if I asked him to do something, even today at 18, I'm like, Cormac, can you please empty the dishwasher and take out the garbage? And then I go to work. When I come home, the garbage will be taken out and he will have emptied the dishwasher. He just does it. I want to be like Cormac is with me with Jesus. Like when Jesus tells me to do something and then leaves the room, when he comes back, I just did it. So when he tells me to love my enemy, when he tells me to be about the kingdom of God, can I just do it? Can I just say, yes, Dad? Okay, Father. I want to be like that. Jesus at one point talks about how we must all become like children. That childlike faith, that childlike obedience, that childlike ability to take directives from your parents. As I mentioned last week, our ultimate identity is no longer tax collector or zealot, Republican or Democrat, liberal or conservative, circumcised or uncircumcised. And that's a little foreshadowing of where I'm going to go later. Those are no longer our, our ultimate identity. Our ultimate identity is as a child of God. Our ultimate identity is as a co-heir as Paul refers to it, a co-heir with Christ. We are joined with Jesus, and we're God's kids. Let that be your primary identity, guys. And if you have that as your primary identity, you're not going to get looped into all the brokenness of this world. Because you're like, well, you guys, why are you guys fighting so much? Glad it's not me, because I'm a child of God. So I don't recognize all these divisions you all are messing around with. Had a different word in my head. But like, you know, just like, like, fine, you guys fight. I'm a child of God. And hey, you know what? You can be one too. And then you don't have to be submitted to all the turmoil and destruction of the world anymore. Because you're a child of God. And God can heal us from these divisions in our society. He can bring us together. The love of Jesus is greater than any brokenness in this world. I think about um, Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom once said that there is no hole so deep that the love of God can't reach the bottom of it. There is no hole, there is no division so deep that the love of God can't reach the bottom of it. 
He can heal us. He can change us. Martin Luther King Jr. said this. So the question is, not whether we will be extremists, but what kind of extremists will we be? Will we be extremists for hate or for love? Will we be extremists for the preservation of injustice or for the extension of justice? In that dramatic scene on Calvary's Hill, three men were crucified. We must never forget that all three were crucified for the same crime, the crime of extremism. Two were extremists for immorality and thus fell below their environment. The other, Jesus, was an extremist for love, truth, and goodness. And thereby, he rose above his environment. The nation and the world are in dire need of creative extremists. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., he wrote this at letters. He wrote this while he was in jail in Birmingham in 1963. I love that last sentence. The nation and the world are in dire need of creative extremists. Can we be extremists for love? Can we be extremists for peace? Can we be extremists for the gospel? Can we be extremists in bringing the kingdom of God to bear in the world around us? Can we do that? That's my hope and prayer. I would argue that whatever it is that makes you angry or makes you outraged when you see it, whatever emotional energy you get from that, if you channeled that into love, and to how love could speak into that situation, it's going to accomplish more than your anger and your outrage and your hatred. Because God is love. God is love. And since God is love, He's going to join with you in that. If you are prayerfully saying, Lord, this hurts my spirit. Lord, this hurts my heart. Lord, this thing that happened tears at my soul, and I'm angry about it and I'm upset about it, and I might even feel a little bit of hate worming its way into my heart. And you say, God, how can I join with you to bring your love and to bring your kingdom into that situation that has hurt my heart? And I will make a promise to you this morning. I will make a promise to you that Emmanuel, God who is with us, will show up and will join with you and show you how to speak into that situation with love. I promise you that. Whether it's received or not, that's not your problem. That's not on you, whether it's received or not. But as long as your heart is joining with God and you're prayerfully saying, Lord, how can I show love in this situation that has made me so upset? God's going to show up. And it's a much better way of presenting the gospel. I'm going to read you an article this morning. Uh, my computer shut off. That's okay. So there's this man. He's a blues musician. He has this really interesting hobby. 
His hobby is collecting Ku Klux Klan robes from the people who wore them. I'm going to read this. It's, I don't ever do this really. But I'm going to read this article to you, this interview with this man. I'm going to take a drink. Okay, Daryl Davis is a blues musician, but he also has what some might call an interesting hobby. For the past 30 years, Davis, a black man, has spent time befriending members of the Ku Klux Klan. He says that once the friendship blossoms, the Klansmen realize that their hate might be misguided. Since David started talking with these members, he says 200 Klansmen have given up their Klan robes. When that happens, Davis collects the robes and keeps them in his home as a reminder of the dent he has made in racism by simply sitting down and having dinner with people. He says, I was playing music. It was my first time playing in this particular bar called the Silver Dollar Lounge. And this white gentleman approached me and said, hey, I really enjoy y'all's music. I thanked him, shook his hand, and he says, you know, this is the first time I ever heard a black man play the piano like Jerry Lee Lewis. I was kind of surprised that he did not know the origin of that kind of music. And I said, well, where do you think Jerry Lee Lewis learned to play that way? He's like, well, I don't know. I said he learned it from the same place I did, black blues and boogie-woogie piano players. That's what rockabilly, rock and roll style came from. He said, oh no, Jerry Lee Lewis invented that. I ain't ever heard no black man except for you play like that. So I'm thinking, this guy has never heard of Fats Domino or Little Richard. And then he says, you know what? This is the first time in my whole life I have ever sat down and had a drink with a black man. He said, well, now I'm getting curious. I'm trying to figure out how it is in my 25 years on the face of this earth that I have sat down literally with thousands of white people, had a beverage, a meal, or a conversation, or anything else, and this guy, 15 to 20 years older than me, has never sat down with a black man before and had a drink. How is that? Why? At first he didn't answer me, and he had a friend sitting next to him, and he elbowed him and said, tell him, tell him, tell him, tell him. And he finally said, well, I'm a member of the Ku Klux Klan. I burst out laughing because I really did not believe him. I thought he was pulling my leg. And as I was laughing, he pulled out his wallet, flipped through his credit cards, and this was new information to me, and proudly produced his Klan card. I didn't realize you could have a Klan card. And handed it over to me. Immediately, I stopped laughing. I recognized that logo on there, the clan symbol, and I realized this was for real. This guy wasn't joking. And now I'm wondering, why am I sitting by a Klansman? But he's very friendly. And the meeting that brought us together was good. And he wanted me to call him and let him know any time I was going to return to this bar with this band. The fact that a Klansman and a black person could sit down at the same table and enjoy the same music was a seed that was planted.
So what do you do when you plant a seed? You nourish it, he says. That was the impetus for me to write a book. And I decided to go around the country and sit down with clan leaders and clan members and find out, how can you hate me when you don't even know me? Seems a little familiar in our world today, too. How can you hate me when you don't even know me? Stranger on the internet. The best thing you do is study up on the subject as much as you can. I went in armed, not with a weapon, but with knowledge. I knew as much about the clan, if not more, than many of the clan people that I interviewed. When they see that you know about their organization, their belief system, they respect you. Whether they like you or not is another matter, but they respect your homework. And just like any good salesman, you want a return visit. And they recognized I'd done my homework, which allowed me to come back again. That began to chip away at their ideology, because when two enemies are talking, they're not fighting. It's when the talking ceases that the ground becomes fertile for violence. If you spend five minutes with your worst enemy, it doesn't have to be about race. It could be about anything. You will find that you both have something in common. As you build on those commonalities, you're forming a relationship. And as you build about that relationship, you're forming a friendship. That's what would happen. I didn't convert anybody. They saw the light and they converted themselves. I love that. Initially, they feel if you're not white, you're inferior. They believe that black people have smaller brains, that we're incapable of higher achievement. I'll give you an example of one guy. This guy was an exalted cyclops sitting in my, which is a high-level clan member, sitting in my car in my passenger seat. He made the statement I'd heard before. We all know that black people have a gene within them that makes them violent. I turned to him. And I'm driving. And I said, wait a minute. I'm as black as anybody you've ever seen. And I've never done a carjacking or a drive-by. How do you explain that? He didn't even pause to think about it. He said, your gene's just latent. It hasn't come out yet. So how do you argue with somebody who's that far out left field? <laughs> he says, I was dumbfounded. I'm just driving along. He's sitting there all smug and secure, like, see, you have no response. And I thought about it for a minute. Then I used his point of reference. I said, well, we all know that all white people have a gene within them that makes them a serial killer. He says, what do you mean? And I said, well, name me three black serial killers. He thought about it. He couldn't think of one. There aren't any. I said, I can do it. Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, Charles Manson, John Wayne Gacy, all white. He said, I told him, son, you are a serial killer. He says, Daryl, I've never killed anybody. And I said to him, your gene is latent. It just hasn't come out yet. He goes, well, that's stupid. And I said, well, duh, yes, it is. But do you know what? You're right. When I said I was stupid, but no more stupid than what you said to me, then he got very, very quiet and changed the subject. 
Five months later, based on that conversation, he left the clan, and his robe was the very first robe that I ever got. See, if we can sit down and have conversations and build friendships and understand those who we're divided with, God can move. He can change hearts and he can change minds. And I have the suspicion that that's what Jesus did with Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector. Because then Simon, Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector could go back to their people and their people would see how they're changed. And you'd be like, Simon, why are you hanging, hanging out with Matthew? Matthew, why are you hanging out with Simon? And they can explain and they can talk about what Jesus did and how he healed the divide between them. And that allows God's kingdom to move. And that makes more of us who are telling people about Jesus. And that's the reason I read this story. If we just allow ourselves to be divided and do nothing about it, there can be no healing. It's like having an open wound that you leave untended. It just gets worse. Hatmaker said this I crave a spiritual community that can hold tensions with more kindness and more stamina when you pull one and I pull another. Yes, the line is taught. It would be easier to drop the line altogether. I could better coexist with people of constant like mindedness where there is virtually no tension to hold at all. Holding tension stretches me spiritually and emotionally, which involves discomfort, effort, and energy. And as an introvert, whenever I hear the words discomfort, effort, and energy, I think I'm out. Because <laughs> I have to like, after those. <laughs> Continuing on. This requires a relational work. And I'm already too busy. I was echoing what Jen was saying. But the cost, the cost of drawing a line outweighs the cost of hanging on. What beauty for a watching world to see a Christian community committed to holding tension, be it theology, denominations, spiritual practices, or just personal preferences. Any tribe that cherishes unity in essentials, of which there are so few, and grace in non-essentials, of which there are so many, is truly rare. Plus, the stretching is good for us. It enlarges our perspectives and strengthens the family. It relieves us from being right. And prioritizes being present. We can disagree and yet honor one another. We can make opposite choices and yet hold on as brothers and sisters. We can experience tension and yet remain in community. It's so easy to say, wave the white flag and say, I'm out, I bail, I'm done. That's so easy. 
God didn't call us to easy. Take up your cross daily and follow Christ in the Scripture. Judging from the stories of when Jesus was carrying his cross, that wasn't like taking a stroll at Randall Park. It was work and effort and hot and painful. And there were splinters going into his back. And it was brutal. And sometimes taking up our cross and remaining in tension and remaining in community, even when it would be easier to bail, is hard. But it's worth it. And it's what God has called us to do. The great circumcision debate in early scripture between Paul and Peter. I'm confident, uh, reading from Galatians 5.10 through 15, I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. Oh, Paul. <laughs> Can you imagine opening a statement like that to somebody you're going to interact with? I am confident in the Lord that you will have no other views but the one I'm going to present to you. <laughs> anyway, it stuck me. It, like caught something in me when I read that. I was like, the one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. It was Peter, by the way. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. And here Paul goes right for their throat. And as for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Wow, Paul, a little harsh. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom, I put little in parentheses of speech maybe, to indulge the flesh. Rather, one another, humbly, in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Paul continues on to say, if you bite and devour each other, watch out. Or you will be destroyed by each other. Let us hear the warnings of Paul to not be destroyed by each other. Because it's so easy. It's so easy to just tear each other up. It's, it's so much easier down than to build up. I'm hopeless at construction. I can't build a Lincoln Log block house. I'm just bad. I don't have it in me. I have other friends like my friend Sandy and my friend Aaron and others who, my friend Christine, who are amazing at it. I, I'm bad. But let me tell you, I can break junk with the best of them. I can destroy something. I'm like, I'm a Viking. We do two things really well. We grow hair and we break things. Like, I am good at breaking stuff. I can tear down really easy. Building's hard. It's really easy to tear down community. Building it is hard. And it takes hard work. It's difficult. St. Augustine said this, and Jen referenced it, in essentials unity, in non-essentials liberty, in all things charity. Let us have charity for one another. Let us give each other grace. I want to end with a prayer.
I'm going to pray this over you guys. Dear God, we ask that you fill us with your spirit of love and unity among believers all across this nation. We ask for your help to set aside our differences and look to the greater cause of Christ. We ask that you would help us to truly live a life of love. We know that this is only possible through your Holy Spirit. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to make that happen because our flesh is weak. So we pray, Lord, for your Spirit to move across this land in fresh ways. Lord, turn your people back to you. Draw others to come to know you. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you are always with us and you give us great purpose. And Lord Jesus, in you, we can have hope. You give us hope, God. So Lord, I speak the blessing, Lord Jesus, over everyone in this room, over everyone watching online, Jesus. Lord, let us be your ambassadors that the cause of Jesus Christ could go out and that, Jesus, just as you brought together Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector, that you could bring us together, Lord God. And, Lord, that we would have the strength, courage, tenacity, love, peace, grace, and mercy to be in tension with one another and to build the community of God. Amen. Amen. Uh, Shauna and Chad, if I could have you guys come up. Thank you. So you're welcome to stand again if you like. These are a couple of newer songs. <clears throat> but they're really good. You're going to like them, I think. Feel free to stand or sit.
And I said, my son, perfect thing. You'll finish what you start in me. I've traded all my fear for peace of mind. You took all my burdens light. I traded all my fear for peace of mind. You took heaviness, my burdens light, and this will be my song. You are always done, sing it all day long. Oh, always, 
and this will be my song that you are always good I'll sing it all day long that you are always good and when the day is through and I am left with you when the day and when my day is through and I am left with you with my life and when my life is through and I am left with you are always you are always good yes Jesus always good so this next song that we're going to sing is a song of blessing It's a song of blessing. Um, it's from the Word of God. A song that would want that God would does use these words to bless us, to bless you. So I really want you to go into this song um, just with a posture of receiving. The song when you can sit back and just receive the words. So. So, blessing. Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. The Lord turn it face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Great. 
gracious to Lord, turn his face toward you and give you He's for you. 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 
He's for you. He's for you. He's for you. so much that you are for us every single day you are for us you are for each and every one of us even when it feels like the world around us is against us maybe our family members maybe our friends maybe we feel like our church people are against us you are for us you are for us you are good you walk with us. Lord, help us to take your hands and walk. Help us to grab hold of you and walk. Walk in your presence. Walk in your peace. You are so good. You are so good. Lord, so be it. Let this word be true over us today. So be it. Amen and amen. Let's sing it. Amen. Amen.
so I just ask, Lord, that you'd walk with us. Help us to be aware of you walking with as we walk out these doors today and back into our beyond this time of coming together to worship with you. Let us worship you in our um, in our, our words, the things that we do, engagements that we have. Lord, as you bless us, let us be a blessing to you. Amen. I would just want anyone who wants prayer to reach out. Many of us are more willing to pray with you. Other than that, you may be excused. Thank you. 